0: for a few minutes today and I promise you the, the the message is brief. I will get right to the point of what uh, God has given me for this morning. And this morning just for a few minutes I'd like to talk about doors. Uh, the term door or doors is used over a hundred times in the Bible and we find that there are open doors, there are shut doors. Uh, the word God said, I'll open doors that no man can open, and I'll shut doors that no man can shut. So we see God is in the opening and the shutting of doors. When you think about the faithfulness of God and, and the presence of God, is that there will come seasons in your life when God will open a door for you, and God will promote you, and God will bless you. He does not say, I'll give you a hammock. He doesn't say, I'll give you an itinerary or a list of what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going, to, "I'm going to open an opportunity, a door for you to go and do something in the kingdom." And if you look at Revelation three, verse seven, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write: These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works; behold, I have set before thee. An open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. A couple of interesting thoughts here in the church of Philadelphia. And we know that the word in the Greek means the place of brotherly love. And uh, there was a song we used to sing early 60s or late 60s, early 70s. Uh, we are one, the Spirit, we are one, Lord. And they will know that we are Christians by our love and we learn that we come to the house of God to practice. God brings people in our life that we have to love. They're a part of the body of Christ. I used to make statements that you know I may not like you, but I have to love you. but then the Lord goes ahead and says, no, you got to like them too and whatever you measure there will be measured back to you and there there are some people I'm really having a tough time liking but because God told me to then I'm going to I'm going to follow up. And pursue that, but we come to church to learn. We come to church to to practice on one another, and then we go to the street, and there we perfect the gifts and talents that God has given us. And we're living in a scary, scary time, a scary, scary season. I don't ever know that since the days of Nero and since the days of Caesar has there ever been such frustration and confusion. In the White House, in the decisions that our government is making, the decisions that politics are making, and it seems as if we are determined to do a bunch of stupid things. And and you know what? I found the word "stupid" in Proverbs 10 and 13, and it says, "He that is wise will be blessed, but he that is stupid will be beat with sticks." Did you know that was in the Bible. I didn't, I don't know that was in the Bible. Somebody just showed that to me. Stupid is the stupid does. I think Forrest Gump said it. I do not believe that we're going to come into a season that the government is going to bail us out. I don't believe that the government is going to have the ability to answer our financial challenges, our financial needs. Our trust, our hope is in God and our trust and our hope that says, I am going to guide your steps. I'm going to make sure you don't fall down an elevator shaft. Nobody wants to fall down an elevator shaft. I'm going to I'm going to present opportunities to you. And then there's some oppor- I'm going to shut the door. I spoke with someone this week from our house that was offered a significant financial raise. A move was, what, what had to take place, and things had to take place. And we've been praying, been praying every day about it. And hadn't really, I guess for about a month we've been praying. And so I went to the family, and I said, what's going on? They said, it's, it's so crazy. They made, they made the offer. Then they haven't followed up. Nothing has been said. Nothing has been done. I believe that's because someone is at a place where there's a door about to be opened. And God will tell that person and, and, and work that work that door out. Um a, a couple of days ago one of the girls from Hope House said, Would you, would you pray, would you, would you intercede? There's some things going on that I don't know if I should go here or there. Kind of like that book by Dr. Seuss, the places you'll go. And said, I don't know whether to go this way or go that way. And Pastor Ron and I both felt like that God gave us a word for her what direction she needed to go, and we intend to share that probably tonight or Wednesday night, but but doors are opportunities for us to do and be what God has called us to do and to be. Do I have a witness or a friend in the house? I think, about, I think about this passage of Scripture, there's three revelations, or there's several revelations in this passage, but I think, first of all, the revelation in the name, the fact that it is the church of Philadelphia, it is a church that loves, it's a church that responds to whosoever, I appreciate that so much. Then the, then the angel of the Lord tells this church, you have the key of David and we understand that the key of David is the power of praise and worship. we know that praise connects us with one another worship connects us to God it creates a cross and shall the cross. There we are blessed, and it's a season of miracles that God will bless. And I was looking in Second Corinthians, I'll share a little layer, 2 and 12, where it talks about a door that God opened for the Apostle Paul. But right before that, it talks about the fact that you and I, are you ready for this? You and I are a sweet savor, a fragrance, a perfume. A, the Living Bible says perfume. The, the, the Amplified Bible says a fragrance, that you and I are a fragrance to God. And I believe that, and I've always believed this, the Bible says that when Noah survived the flood and the the boat landed on the mountain, the Bible says Noah took animals, sacrificed them, and it was a burnt offering. And the Bible says the fragrance of that burnt offering reached into heaven, and the Bible says that fragrance, it says God remembered Noah. I think God remembers us through our fragrance. You know, for years I've talked about the apothecary, the ingredients of the apothecary, and I think about, I think um, once or twice a week, I've asked somebody, what kind of cologne is that? That really smells good. I, I really like that. So each one of us have our own favorite. My mom, I always bought mom white shoulders for Christmas. That was a given. She was going to get a bottle of white shoulders. And in my household, it's usually a given that I get a bottle of happy. That's that's kind of the, the clone I like to wear. But each one have a preference of how we like to smell or what we think smells good. But that the Bible says that we literally have a fragrance that reaches the presence of God. And I hope it's a blessing fragrance. I hope it's not a stinky fragrance. I hope every time we come in God's presence, God said, "Oh no, here's that whiner and complainer here. Here they gonna come." And you know what? Having we had the baby a couple of days uh, this week, and it was fun for the girls. I pretty much took off, went hunting and fishing and stuff. But you know, you watch that baby, and everything that baby does is is is, is birth around a cry. Can't stand to have a cry. Got to pick it up. Got to rock. Got to got to do got to do things. Got to make faces. Got and then it, it cries because it's wet, or it cries because it's hungry. Or cries because it did the other thing, and everybody knows that because it was fragrance. And you know, it cries it, it, it has a cry like I've fallen out of the crib; my neck is hanging between, and I'm, I'm about to die. But you'll learn all those cries are for one reason and one reason only, and that's to get the attention of their caregiver. That's why the baby cries. The baby wants to be held. The baby wants to be caressed. She wants to be nursed. She wants to be fed. She wants to be changed. And you know what? I look. I'm I'm sixty. Uh, she's 14 weeks, and there's not a whole lot of difference between her and me. I'm a crybaby. I'm a whiny butt. I, I want everything to be about. Hello, I, I really do want everything to be about me. When I go into the restaurant, I want it to be about me. When I go to church, I want the air-conditioned. I want I want everything, and I know that's a terrible, and I'm. I'm even going to go out in like a like maybe a bronze casket, like something really clean that uh, something real dope that nobody else would be would be bar- dope is a new word I learned. That's like a slang for dope. Pretty cool. And uh, and so even even in death, they'll put me in my best suit. They'll comb my hair. They'll put my clone on. I hope and I'll, they'll lay there and look at me. And might just freak some of you out if somebody laid hands on me and resurrected. Me. Would that be? I've never heard of being raised after they've been embalmed. I think that's uh, something probably not even Billy Burke can do. But, but, but when, I think about, when I think about life, I think everything about life, it really is all about me. I mean, when you think about the gas stations, the restaurants, the job, the paycheck, the vacations, the, the television. It's all for our pleasure. And, and he understands all, all things were created for thy pleasure. He understands all of that. But I think we come to a place in our life where we've got to grow up enough to realize there's something probably incredible in your life that he wants you to do, and you start looking for it. And so that key of David, that is so powerful, that praise and worship, that you can praise your way out of any pit. You can worship right into the presence of God and bring God to, right, to, right to where you're at. And that's what Emmanuel, God with us. And so I think that was such a powerful key. That, first of all, it is the church of, of brotherly love, the church that says, whosoever, whosoever's welcome, whosoever's blessed. Many of you are not here during the week, but rarely does a week go by that someone's at our church needs food, needs groceries, needs gas money. Some just need wine and alcohol money. We try not to, you know, help them. But those, those that are hungry and those that really need gas, those that really need clothing, we reach out and re- respond to them. And so I, th- I think we come to a place in our life where we're saying, well, God's been good, God's been faithful, but what does God have for me? And God said this, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place an open door before you. This is the beginning of Revelation. At the end of the book of Revelation, it's a closed door, and we've closed the door to God. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him, and he with me. It seems like in, in this in this process of God putting the church together, raising up the seven churches, it seems like something has happened through the corridor of time, and it seems like men and women have shut their door to God, have shut their heart to God. They're not sensitive to the Spirit. They're not sensitive to the to the nudging, to the urging. I had a, I had a, I had a great cry yesterday. Uh, it was on, on Facebook, and it was Dolly Parton singing. Uh, he, he lives. I'm. At, I'm. At, I i do not know if you've seen that particular. I'm. I'll tell you what. I had a moment. I had a uh, Wednesday when we did that song. What sin? Or Sunday morning with it. I. I had a moment because there are buttons that God pushes in us and we become sensitive to things of God, and we definitely know that's God moving on my behalf, or that's God moving in my heart. And I also cried when Lassie got run over by a truck, so I guess that might be something spiritual there. I don't, I don't know. All dogs go to heaven. But the Lord says, here's what I want to do. I want to open a door for you, but there's a phrase here that I want to bring to your attention. For I know that you have just a little strength, Man, I love that. And there's so many things that I have developed from that, from that, from that, that that, that little thing is that every one of us, let me refer, let me phrase that. God has a tendency to take our weakness and bless it with his greatness and open doors that so many can be blessed, and so many can be favored, and so many. And so I like this church. He's saying you're little you're scrawny you're, you're 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 not very strong however i'm going to open the door anyway and i love that where god does not look at our genre or look at our look at that what family we're a part of or what what tribe we're from he doesn't look at any of that but he looks the bible says that god looks on the heart god sees your heart and god is either going to see a pliable heart that says hey I'm willing to submit. I'm willing to come under the covering of God. I'm willing to do what God calls me to do and do what do what God wants me to do. I remember, thirty, uh, some odd years ago, as the as the door had opened for Pastor tonight. By the way, Pastor Rhonda ministered to 128 countries, the possibility of over a billion people. Uh, Thursday night, and we're honored. I think it was Thursday or Wednesday, or oh, no, Friday. There was. We, we thank God for that, but. but the, but, and that, that's just a door that, that God opened for her. She ministers. We've ministered before. And it's not really, we don't you know, wear a bumper sticker on our car that says, hey, we've been on Daystar. Hello, we're important, and we're all of that. No, I, rem- I remember uh, several years ago that for some reason God would open doors for us to go into churches where not just the church needed a touch, a revival, but the pastors were burnt out. And the pastors were going through stuff. And maybe their marriage wasn't all that great. And maybe their children weren't all that great. Maybe the finances weren't all that great. But we begin to learn that God used us just as much to minister to staff as he did for us to minister to the body. And it's not like I have a degree in counseling. I'm not Jimmy Evans. I'm not Dave Dave Harb. I don't don't have a, a thing beside my name that says that I'm a qualified psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever but it just seemed like that was, the, that was the avenue that God placed us on. And I remember cu- talking pastors out of divorcing their wife. I remember talking pastors out of leaving the ministry. just want to lay down everything and leave the ministry. And so it looked like there for a season that God began to use Pastor Rhonda and I to kind of pastor, pastor, if there's such a thing as that. And we begin to bless them and open doors and then we respond and touch base with them during the week, even if we hadn't been to their church. In a while, when God spoke to us about pastoring in Cleveland, the door had opened for Pastor Ron and I to go on staff at a very strong church here in the city, ran, ran several hundred. And the pastor wanted me to take on all the Sunday night services, and he wanted me to start a Sunday morning service before the regular service. And so we'd have gone in, and we we're pushing the college and career. We we're going to push the single ministry, and I felt like we really had the ability to, to, to build a real strong, healthy congregation. We prayed about it. We told others to be praying about it. And through a process of things, that, that completely changed. That, that, that bait, if you want to call it, that we responded to, that bait was withdrawn, and that door was closed. But here we were in Cleveland really feeling like that God wanted us to plant ourselves here and be a part of a, of a, of a church and then we stepped into an eight-week revival that seven, several hundred were saved, several were blessed, great, incredible things. Eight weeks, every single night. We didn't tell night. We went all the way through two services on Sunday. And in the process of that eight-week revival, there were over 500 first-time decisions for the Lord. It was incredible. It was a people still today will come up to me and say, I remember that revival. I remember that. I remember and I, and I thank God for that because it was a great scene. It was a great memory. But out of that, a church was birthed. And what was so crazy, we had never been to the college theological seminary. We didn't know how to be a pastor. We didn't know all the stuff that we would go through. We know all the stuff that we didn't encounter. And let me tell you something. That first year, it was wild and crazy. Uh, my, my father-in-law used to make the statement, the brighter the light, the more bugs. Let me tell you something. We, we drew bugs from the north, south. East and west, we we drew crazy. I mean, I will not actually the stories aren't boring. I got some really good stories, but there were some things that happened that first year of ministry is like, wow. No wonder my mom and dad are suicidal. No wonder when they passed the same church for twenty nine years, they wanted to kill everybody. And you begin to begin to realize that it it ain't what it, it ain't what it appears to be. I thought the preachers preached on Sunday, ate fried chicken and golf the whole week. I just thought that was kind of the way that they they rolled because a lot of churches I went to, that's what the pastor did when we were there in revival. And it's like, it was, it was a whole nother world. And there was no, there was no how to uh, videos. There were no how to, there's books and we could read and we could read, but most of everything that we did, it was because God opened the door. because God placed us where he wants to be. And God put us in a place. And there were so many things that, that we did that were cutting edge. Uh, we we were the first church in the entire community to purchase the 30-second uh, the, the commercials that talked about the things of God. Powerful, incredible. We were on TV several times a day. We were on TV ten times more than what we paid. And I called, I called the, the producer. and said, why are you airing our commercials and not charging us? We can't afford it if you did charge us, so we're glad you're – They said, these commercials are so quality, we want to show them for free. I remember any any hospital that you went in in the emergency room, there was a bowl of fruit that said provided by Church of the Harvest. We started that and then other churches started cooking brownies and donuts and cookies and lasagna. And it was like so we but 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 God opened that door and that was a door that we went through. We had no clue that Charisma magazine was gonna put us on the cover of August 1998, and our story was going to be told in living color. I think there's about eight or ten pictures of us in color. One of me lifting weights, one of me with the – I used to – when we did the drug thing, we all carried guns, and a couple of pictures there, beautiful Pastor Rhonda, and they came to our home. We had no clue that we were going to be in the cover. We had no clue those doors were going to open. No no clue that Scott and Cindy were, were in Nashville, uh, TBN, and they invited us to come and do a program with them. Those were – all doors that God just God just opened and we just step through. <coughs> when I think about the doors of the Bible, I think about the excuses of the Bible. When I think about God using you and I, I think about sometimes it's so easy to come up with excuses why we cannot be used. Can anybody relate? But I look I look and realize it's always been that way. There's always been people with great potential that God saw potential in them. They did not see themselves. And I look at the, I look at, I look at probably one of the, the first stories I'd like to share is the story of Moses. Moses was spared in a season of when everybody was murdering the firstborn boys, and they were being thrown into the river and fed to crocodiles. And Moses was hid, and Moses was spared. And the door opened for him to be the son of Pharaoh. And the door opened for him to speak several languages. He was taught to rule the world because Egypt ruled the world. He was taught all that. But you know the story. He killed He killed a soldier, and he went into hiding for 40 years. And there he probably wrote the book of Job, but he was, he was sequestered away. Then all of a sudden, a burning bush. And it was a bush that wouldn't burn. It was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And Moses went to that burning bush, and God spoke to him, told him to take his shoes off. You know the story. And here's what he told God three times. I am not eloquent of speech. I, I stutter. I don't talk right. My words are, get off, I get all messed up. And three times, Moses tried to tell God. And here God is opening the door to use Moses to take three million people out of Egypt in the land of promise, what an opportunity, what an open door, but he kept he kept fighting it, and God said, well, I'll, I'll let Aaron be your mouthpiece, so I'm telling you, Moses, you're, you're, you're going to be used, and he said, well, I, I need a sign, and God said, throw your stick on the ground, and he threw a stick on the ground, you remember it turned into a snake, he said, pick the stick up, and I'm sure he picked it up by the tail, and it turned back into a stick, but there were so many doors there that God opened for Moses, stand before Pharaoh, all the things, and I think about If God would have listened to Moses' excuses, they would probably still be in the land of bondage, and and who knows what would transpire. God opened the door for Moses. I think about Gideon. When God came to Gideon and said, Thou mighty man of valor. I mean, how is it like an angel to appear and tell you that you're a mighty man of valor? Well, Gideon was having one of those bad hair days. He goes, I don't feel like a mighty man of valor. We're hiding, we're fighting. And here's what he said. I'm the least in the tribe. My tribe is the least and I'm the least in the tribe. And so disqualify himself. I'm not capable of, and, and you know the story. He asked God for a fleece, and God gave him three fleeces. And Jerry, he still ignored the fleece. But God said, you're going to go. And the Bible said, God clothed Gideon with himself. But if if God would have listened to Gideon, they would not have conquered. They would not have gone and done with 300 men, destroyed an army of thousands. I think about um, Abraham. Abraham said, you know what? I'm too old to have a baby. I'm 100 years old. Sarah is 90. There is no way possible. But with God, all things are possible. And God said, I'm going to raise up out of your loins. I'm going to raise up a generation that you're going to be more than the sands of the sea, more than the, the stars of the sky. And he did it. He did it through a barren womb. He did it through Abraham obeying the Lord. But if Abraham, if God would have listened to what Abraham had to say and said, I'm too old, then there never would have been a Jewish nation. They never would have been, been coming to the land of promise that God spoke for them to do it. When I think about Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah, I knew your gender, I knew your name before you were in your mother's womb, and I've called you to be a prophet to the nation. You remember the story. And Jeremiah said, I'm too young. I'm I'm too young to be a prophet to the nation. I'm too, I'm, I'm too young to pursue the things. But aren't you glad that God didn't listen to Jeremiah, but that God promoted Jeremiah and used him and he touched the world and worlds to come? I think about Isaiah. God, God, Isaiah told God, I'm a man of unclean lips and, I, and I, my family are all unclean. And God said, Isaiah, that doesn't matter to me. You're going to prophesy about the Messiah. You're going to prophesy about the thing, the strife. You can talk about that he was wounded for our transgressions. That's going to be your destiny. That's going to be your inheritance. And and, and what God spoke through Isaiah, here we are 4,000 years later, still speaking the words of Isaiah and the promises there. What if God would have listened to Isaiah when Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I think about Esther. When Esther was confronted, Esther told her cousin, Mordecai, if if I go before the king and he's not pleased, I could be put to death. And you got to remember, this king already had a problem with the queen. He had already sentenced his, his first wife out to the wilderness, and now here Esther was a new wife, and Esther didn't do anything to irritate him or upset him. What if God would have listened to Esther and Mordecai would have listened to Esther and not convinced her to go before the king's presence? But, but God didn't listen to Esther. God used Esther and she changed the heart of his and saved her people. Even even the resurrection of Christ was in that lineage because Esther obeyed the Lord. Then I think about the, the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what, what can I do to, to, to inherit the kingdom? And, and he told him, go sell what you have and give to the poor and And the Bible says the rich young ruler walked away because he was really wealthy. And we hope in the book of Mark when Jesus in the garden, we hope that was the rich young ruler that approached Jesus and showed that he had sold everything. When I think about Ruth, I think about Ruth in in a season of famine, leaves leaves her land and goes into a a strange land. And then God begins to nudge her to go back to her home, to Bethlehem. Aren't you glad that, that Ruth didn't have the attitude where there's a famine, we can't survive, we can't do anything? Then I think about Saul. When Saul was selected to be the king and they're looking for him, they couldn't find him. The Bible says he was hiding in the baggage. He was hiding. He was hiding with the stuff. He was so intimidated. And then later in life, Samuel looked at Saul and said, when you were small in your own eyes, then God could use you for his, for his greatness and his glory. And, all, you know, all the way through the Bible, you look at Peter, you look at John, you look at Thomas every one of them has some kind of idiosyncrasy every one of them has some kind of excuse or some kind of some kind of handicap that would hinder them doing what god wanted them to do but the secret was is that god opened the door and god was pushing them through the door but when god opens doors for us he didn't he doesn't tell us what the outcome's going to be or he didn't tell us where we're going to go or where we're going to wind up he just say here here's an opportunity go for it Amen. i think about i think about that that nudging. I think about how that that mama eagle, when that eaglet's ready, will nudge that eaglet out of the nest. And we have a um, crazy thing happening at our house. There's always been a certain place on the porch that birds have come and they made a nest there. And sometimes we found the baby birds fell out. Sometimes the egg fell out. And uh, a few weeks ago, the storm came through and blew that nest completely off the column. It just leveled on on the porch. And and then all of a sudden we notice that when we walk past and look up in the column, there's this dove sitting on this nest. And this dove has not moved from that. And what is so funny, the dove is probably this close when we walk. The dove does not fly away. It's not, irrit- it's not upset. It stays right there because that, that dove knows that those eggs that she's sitting on are going to hatch and she's going to birth. Baby dove, and they're going to they're going to fly and do what called them to do. But there has to be a nest. There has to be an egg. There has to be birth before they can be greatness. And so, when God speaks to us about these open doors, you can say, "Well, I'm too inarticulate. I'm too weak. I'm too old. I'm too sinful. I'm too dangerous. I'm too rich. I'm too poor. I'm too much baggage." And God knows all that when He called you, because He seems to take the 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 lesser vehicle vehicle, the lesser vessel, and use that to promote it so that he will get the glory, he will get the honor, and he will get the praise. I need a friend to help me say amen in this house. In 2 Corinthians 2 and 12, you don't have to turn there, but Paul is bragging on God and tells and tells the church of, of Corinth that, that God has opened all these ministry doors. You know, when, uh, when I was very young in ministry, I had a um, Message concerning backmasking and rock and roll and the dangers of, of all the satanic groups and things of that nature and I cannot tell you today, I, I probably over thirty but at least thirty high schools opened their door for me to come and speak. They weren't all Christian. Matter of fact, I only went to two Christian schools and that and that I went to secular public schools where the door opened. God opened the door for me to go in to share. Uh, some of the things that I had to share. I played music back. It's funny. I couldn't say a thing about Christ, but I could say anything I want about Satan. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that, yeah, I'm, and, and I talked about, you know, the Satan. I talked about some of the lyrics of some of the song, And it's like I never planned in, in my ministry to ever go speak at, at a high school. That never was my uh, – the Lord opened the door a few years ago that we created on Saturday morning. We had some Seventh Day Adventists loved the church, loved us, but they didn't go to church on Sunday. So we had a Saturday morning service. Went for months and months until we had the revival with Billy Burke. It was like it was a whole nother congregation. Never planned that. Never, never really felt like I had the ability to pastor two congregations. I remember when we grew so large, we had to have two services. I Had to preach two ser- two sermons Sunday morning back to back. Never planned that. Never anticipated that. Never anticipated TV and never. Pre- anticipate a day star or charisma. But God said, here's the door. If you'll open the door, I'll lead you. I'll open doors that no man can open. I'll shut doors that no man can shut. And there have been seasons in life where we felt like the door was just slammed in our face, just flat. We pursued it. We went after it. All of a sudden, that door wasn't open anymore. That usually means that God has a better door in store for us. And that pretty much is my thought. That pretty much is what I have for you today is, is first of all, and I don't, I don't want you to re-examine yourself and come up with a fault. We certainly don't want to do that. But but I have, I have noticed the ones that were the least, the ones that were the insignificant, the ones that were, were phlegmatic, those are the ones, for some reason, God seems, to want to use it's not the flamboyant it's not the show off and god will use them but it's not the flamboyant it's not the show off that god teaches them his ways it's the ones that make themselves available saying don't have a lot of ability but i have availability i'm here i'm ready for you to use me i'm ready for me to go through the open door go ahead and um, let's just Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house. We thank you for the praise and worship.